0: as Alaikum and welcome to Middle Way Mom Reads, where we dig into books that enhance and inform our homeschooling journey. I'm Shannon, a homeschooling mom since 2009 and a student of the Islamic Sciences. I've been using the Charlotte Mason Method since 2016 and would love to make this method more accessible to a wider audience as I see great value in the, its holistic method. We're starting with the most classic book in the Charlotte Mason Method, the first book in her six-volume series titled Home Education. We will work through the book together, inshallah, I will discuss highlights of the book without the assumption you have read it yourself. But of course, you'll gain a great, much greater understanding if you read the book as well. Today, we are starting with uh, part one, and she has titled this Some Preliminary Considerations. So she takes a step back and just discusses the uh, the cultural context in which we are having this conversation. And like I said in the last episode, there's so many things that are immediately relevant, even a hundred years later. I believe she wrote this around 1910, somewhere around there. Um, She says, now that work, which is of most importance to society is the bringing up and instruction of the children in the school, certainly, but far more in the home, because it is more than anything else, the home influences brought to bear upon the child that de- that determine the character and career of the future man or woman. And to take us to rewind just a little bit, she actually starts with talking about how women are pulled away from the home more and more often um, for outside commitments. Um, in our time, you know, this is, obviously very relevant with most families needing two incomes in order to have uh, a sustainable lifestyle, um, to be able to pay the mortgage, to buy groceries. And then there's this cultural expectation that there's going to be extracurriculars, you're going to be in clubs and sports or whatever, what have you. So she wanted to highlight this importance of um, of the home life because I think often we look at what we can sign the kids up for. We look at coding camps and we look at um, swimming lessons or sports or photography club or whatever, whatever, whatever. And we think, oh, well, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't know anything about nature. So I have to sign them up for like a nature group. I don't know anything about robotics so i have to sign them up for a robotics thing and we start to get this idea that we can't really <laughs> we can't really do much for our kids is the the attitude that is starting to kind of creep in and so this whole section here is reminding us that what we're doing at home is more important than all these things that they can do outside or what other people can come in and provide cuz one of the things that's not really relevant to us now, but was in the time of her writing this, was having a governess come or like a nanny and those type of things come and take care of the children while the mother um, and father do other things. Um, And especially, again, in our time, we're seeing more and more that... So when this book was written, sure, the kids go off to school during the day, and they come home at night. And you guys you're working together and, um, being together. But now with all of these extracurricular activities, we're seeing less and less how children are inside the home. I mean, even for myself, when I was, uh, when I was young in elementary school, I think I had something like every day of the week. I had music lessons one day I was in a few choirs. So I had like two or three choir practices a week. I had girl scouts Um, I had swimming lessons. So it seemed like every evening or, you know, and then I had Sunday school. So like every day there was something that we had to go do. And it's really easy to fall into that. Um, I'm finding myself falling into that with my own kids now. And it's like, no, I have to take a step back and recognize, um, that we, that we're not, um, we're not just chauffeurs, but that's, that's a, um, a soapbox for another day. <laughs> she goes on to say, The children are, in truth, to be regarded less as personal property than as public trusts, put into the hands of parents that they may make the very most of them for the good of society. It is upon the mo- it is upon the mothers of the present that the future of the world depends. No pressure, guys. <laughs> the, and there's this one quote. I love this quote so much. And it breathes new life into tired days um, that I actually have it printed out. um, And it's on my dresser. The quote says, this is why we hear so frequently of great men who have had good mothers. That is mothers who brought up their children themselves and did not make over their gravest duty to indifferent persons. This reminds me a lot of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where the man comes up to him and says, who is most deserving of my respect and trust and love and so on. And the Prophet وسلم, says, your mother. And he says, and then who? And the Prophet وسلم, said, your mother. And this goes on. He asks him three times, and then who? And then who? And each time the Prophet ﷺ says, your mother. And the man says, and then who? And he says, and then your father. And this is not to downgrade the position of the father, but it is just to highlight the the position of the mother that, um, you know, as a convert, I, you know, lived part of my adult life as, uh, you know, like a secular lifestyle and had a child in that lifestyle and everything. And even when you're when you say like, okay, we're going to do everything equal, we have equal rights, equal, equal, equal. Um, and there's studies to show this too, the women still pick up more of the child rearing. And um, and the fact of the matter is <laughs> there's no, um, there's no substitute for the pregnancy and birth process. So we, uh, again, we're not degrading the value of fathers, but we are highlighting and giving due respect to the position of the mothers, and this is something that um, we should put this on a pedestal a bit. Um, she goes on to quote um, somebody named Pestalozzi, Pestalozzi, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, he says the mother is qualified and qualified by the Creator Himself to become the principal agent in the development of her child. I really, really love this. And this would be another one that would be really great to take this quote and put it somewhere where you're going to see it all the time, that we are qualified and qualified by our creator that we can raise up these children. Uh, So we always want to start with this attitude in parenting that I'm able, I'm capable, I'm qualified to do this. And if I'm not currently qualified, I have the ability to be qualified. I have the ability to learn. I have the ability to grow. So always, whenever we're coming into a conversation of parenting, homeschooling, and so on, sure, okay, you can't do it right now. You know, people say, I don't know how you have the patience, or I don't know how you're so organized. Well, I wasn't always patient. I would argue I'm still not. Um... And I wasn't always organized and in many ways, I'm still not. But when you have the, when you come from a, a growth mindset, as has become quite vogue uh, recently, mashallah, um, when you come from with this growth mindset of, yeah, okay, well, I'm not that patient or I'm not that organized. These are fixable problems. Um, and I am qualified by the creator himself, as uh, she quoted. She goes on to say, the education of their children during the first six years of life is an undertaking hardly to be entrusted to any hands but their own, and they will take it up as their profession, that is, with the diligence, regularity, and punctuality which men bestow on their professional labors. Again, just understand that this is written in, you know, the 1910s, so, Um, but many of us who have chosen to stay home with our kids chosen to homeschool or whatever that looks like have had professional careers, um, previously. So this is something that we, we, we have this experience of, okay, I have to show up on time. I need to learn how to do this in order to continue with my career. I need to learn, um, how to communicate effectively with my boss, my coworker, a client, so on. All of these are, you know, we go to like weekend workshops and we read books on it and we ask, you know, mentors for advice. This should be the same level of commitment in taking this as our profession when we have children that This isn't, you know, how well would you do in the professional world if you showed up to work and you're like, I'm just going to go by intuition. You know, I'm going to, I was in IT previously before I was um, a homeschool mom. You know, if I'm going to make a firewall change and say, okay, well, I need to block these addresses or this region from accessing my network, then how... (laughs) am I going to learn how to do that or am I going to do it by intuition? There's something I don't know how to do. How do I get to the point of doing it? And many times we treat our, we treat our parenting as if it's just something that like whatever bubbles up inside of us is the right thing to do. And she's saying, that's not, that's not um, how we treat that. And then also to kind of, again, I like to, I'm a big picture person. So we'll always kind of take a step back here. Um, thinking, so if I'm doing this aspect of parenting, what does that look like 10 years from now? What does that look like 20 years from now? Um, You know, I'm a big fan of having kids do chores and uh, make dinner and all of these different types of things. And um, what does this look like if I do this, if I ask my kids to, you know, be responsible for their own chores or to be responsible for making dinner once a week, what does it look like if I do that? And what does it look like if I don't do that 10 years from now, 20 years from now? So always kind of taking that look at parenting, but also taking that look with parenting um, without coming from a source of fear. We don't want to say, oh, well, I did this and this and this, and now they're going to be a zero serial killer like that. We want to, you know, come to this with, um, with our head on straight, you know, from, from a healthy perspective. All right. So she goes on, let's see. Oh, she goes on to talk about how, like, again, this philosophy of education, are we thinking of education from the stance of like, they are a blank slate. And then we're writing upon that slate or an empty bucket and we're filling that bucket. And when the children are very young, it very much appears they're a blank slate, they're an empty bucket, however we want to think about that. And then they start to kind of grow into themselves. You see that personality start to come out um, in the toddler years, in the preschool years. And at first, we're just so excited. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I have four kids, Mashallah. And one of them in particular, she would like fall down on concrete and just get right back up. And she's just somebody who just pops back up and uh, is able to handle the world as it seems. Uh, mashallah, she's very uh, resilient. And but sometimes they have like a sassy remark or something. And at first we laugh it off and uh, we find it so cute, right? Uh, Charlotte Mason says the notion of, Oh, and actually to kind of complete this thought here, but through all of this, we are kind of paving the way, right? We are, um, so yes, they're, they're growing into themselves, but we have gotten into the habit of doing everything for them. We're getting their cup, we're cutting their food, we are cleaning up their clothes when they get dressed, we are picking out all of their clothes, so on and so forth. Um, she says, the notion of doing all for the child with which parents began gradually recedes. So soon as he shows that he has a way of his own, he is encouraged to take it. So this is, you know, those day-to-day things of picking up your own clothes and serving yourself dinner, putting away your plate, all of these things. We want to encourage all of this because we want to raise capable adults. So encouraging capable children uh, is the path to uh, capable adulthood, inshallah. She says the parent's chief care is that with That that which they supply shall be wholesome and nourishing, whether in the way of picture books, lessons, playmates, bread, and milk, or mother's love. This brings us back to uh, one of the pillars, I guess, of the Charlotte Mason method, and that is education is an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. Uh, So education as an atmosphere what are the video games that they're playing? What are the movies that they're watching? What are the books that they're reading? And then if we keep going with that, what kind of person is entertained by these means? Um, and then of course food, there's been a lot of talk about food in the last, I mean, maybe forever, I guess there's been a lot of talk about food forever, but I've been more aware of it maybe in the last 20 years or so, 15 years or so. Um, And this is not the fads of, uh, I'm sorry, but I think keto and what were some of the other ones, Um, whatever, the things that kind of come and go Atkins diet and so on and so forth. It's not that it is, did you eat your fruits and vegetables? Did you have some protein? You know, just what are we nourishing our children with? Um, Does this look close to what athletes are eating? Or is this, you know, whatever is convenient? And of course, we're not looking for perfection, but we are just being really intentional with, let's say, 80% of what we're doing. And that 20%, I mean, you know, nobody can reach 100%. Um, picture books, all of this. the Playmates, people who the kids play with. There's a really good book called um, Hold On To Your Kids. And I can't remember the author's name right now. Um, I will say, I think there's some things where he goes a little bit far in his assessment, but in general, the, um, the assessment that he has about, hold on to your kids, why the parents should be more important than the peers, I think is really, really solid advice. It's a great book I, that I would suggest. She goes on to say, nothing could be better for the child than this masterly inactivity. So as far as it goes. But this philosophy of let him be does not cover the serious part of the parent's calling. So I like to think about this in the way of like children are walking down their own path, um, their own way. This is their own life, right? They are their own person. But along that path, we're putting up these boundaries and saying, you know, don't go too far in this direction. Don't go too far in that direction. And a lot of times it's ways that they don't even recognize. It's putting the parental controls on your computer. It's not handing your kid a phone that is wide open and then walking away. Um, And then this is like the path of Islam, right? We take the middle road and there is space in that road, right? There's a spectrum of what is permissible. And then there's the required and there is the haram. Right, the required like, and we're taking this back to like just a parenting sense. The required, you have to take a shower, you have to brush your teeth. These things, like, we're not even arguing about this. You just have to do it. Um, and the things you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to drive my car when you're 12 years old. I don't care how tall you are. Um, you know, so these are like very, very clear. And within Islam, we have this concept of what is fard and what is haram. In all of this space in between, we have these boundaries in place in order to keep us in the best best path, inshallah. She goes on to say, the family is the unit of the nation, not the individual, but the family. This is something, especially in the United States, I assume in the Western world, but really I can only speak for the United States. We have become a very individualized society um, where the individual is the building block of the nation, um, but you know this was written a hundred years ago, and also within Islam, the idea that the family is the building block. And when we talk about family, I think, at least for myself, the first thing I think of: husband, and wife, kids, and we forget this is our parents, aunts, and uncles, and cousins. Um, this is a team that we are working with, and this is how we are serving the ummah by showing up as a team. And so we are inculcating with our children that they're part of this team. They're part of this family, and this family is going to serve the ummah, inshallah. It's not what I see happening kind of in a cultural context, is the parents are so focused on the individual children that um, they forget to work as a team with the extended family or even work as a team together because everybody is so hyper-focused on the child and the child-rearing that they forget about how they are interacting with the community as a whole. So we are going to end with this last remark here Charlotte Mason says, we should remember that the children are a national trust whose bringing up is the concern of all, even of those unmarried and childless persons whose part in the game is the, and I hate that she says this, but the rather dreary one of looking on. And that does bring up a point real quick that um, one one of the arguments against Charlotte Mason is that she never had children. So how does she know that, we can do this. And she, and I honestly, like when I go through the book, there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, well you didn't have kids. So you're saying to spend all this time out of doors, like who's making dinner? Who's, you know, like, also, I don't, I don't want to be on 24 hours a day, but we'll get that. We'll get there when we get there. Um, but this idea that the children are a national trust and this is really hard. Um, In the United States, um, and again, like that's the only thing that I can really speak of is the United States. Um, When we think of how diverse we are, but in that diversity, we are very segregated and very divisive. So to think, okay, well, my children are a national trust. Well, I don't trust so-and-so and and -and such-and-such with my children, but the idea that our children are going to be the building blocks of society in the future generation. And that's how we imagine that our children are a trust to the nation, a trust to the ummah. You know, we're first and foremost, as Muslims, we are looking for how are our children going to be an amana. How are our children going to be a trust to the ummah versus, um, you know, just employees. And we talked about this last time in the last episode of, you know, the purpose of education. It's not just to make employees. Um, it's to make children who first and foremost have this worldview of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how they are pleasing him, pleasing their creator and meeting um, meeting the expectations there, because that's going to flow in to how they treat the rest of the ummah, how they treat the rest of the nation and so when we think of it this way of like i am i am um inculcating and i am you know building up this small person into uh somebody who inshallah will be an active member of their society how can i build up their their talents and their strengths in such a way that they are ready to use them for the Ummah and for the society so we will end there um inshallah next time we will start with let me look at it here um sorry missing a page here and she goes on to talk about a method of education so that's where we're gonna start kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of like how this how this looks in the future inshallah Um, So just a reminder, you will gain added benefit by reading the book yourself. You can find it at most of your favorite retailers, alhamdulillah, but you can also find a link to it on my website at middlewaymom.com forward slash IG hyphen links. That's IG hyphen links. If you have any questions you'd like answered, you can email those to Shannon at middlewaymom.com. Again, that's Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-E-N. At middlewaymom.com. Thank you so much for joining me, and inshallah, I will speak to you next time. All right, salam alaikum.